0: The following message by Pastor Tim is brought to you by Together in Christ. We're gonna be in Galatians chapter two, verse one through 10 is what we'll read. I don't intend to get through all of it this morning. I hope to finish it tonight in our service tonight. I don't know about you or how your Sundays normally go, but I tend to feel as if Satan attacks me hardest On Sundays, on Sunday mornings, Uh, feelings of inadequacy or just doubt really hit me hard on Sundays, just thinking through things that need to be done or things that I haven't done that I had hoped to get done or the thought of having to preach faithfully. God's word is a very big task for me, and so Satan likes to creep in and just Remind me of how inadequate I am in doing that. And maybe you feel that same way when you come on Sunday mornings. Maybe when you walk in, the weight of worshiping God gets heavy. I hope sometimes it does for you. To be honest, I, I, I'm i kind of happy I feel inadequate on Sundays. I'm kind of happy I feel that way because it reminds me of the power of the Holy Spirit that needs to work in our lives and move in our lives and work in our lives and As we approach our passage this morning in Galatians chapter 2, we need to be reminded of what Paul is doing. And he's in the middle of trying to defend himself to a church that he started and to try to defend the gospel that he shared with them because people were coming into the church and preaching a different gospel. Now, it wasn't a radically different gospel, but it was a different gospel and it was a damning gospel. And so he is trying to stick up for himself, and the reason I share about feeling inadequate is I can't imagine being in Paul's position and already having the burden of, having to, of sharing the gospel with the Gentiles and, and how, how difficult that must have been at many different times, but now having to go back to a church that he started with people that he loved and to show why he was an apostle and to have to argue for himself. I don't know if I would have the strength to do that, honestly. If I, if I had to come in here every day and prove myself to all of you, I'd quit real quickly because I can find a job making the same amount of money somewhere else where I don't have to worry about that or I wouldn't have to worry about doing that. I'm thankful that I don't have to do that, but that's what Paul's having to do here. In, in chapter one, as we got to the end of chapter one, Paul took his first defense for his apostleship And you can look in verse 11 and 12 of chapter one and he says, I was called by God, not man. And so his first stand is, I'm not worried about what man thinks. God has called me to this position. God has given me the gospel message that I now have given to you. And so I'm not worried about what man thinks. That's his first stance. Today, what we're gonna see is that he then goes to say, if you want to look at what man thinks, He's going to show how he went to the apostles and they believed what he said and actually said, keep going and doing what you're doing. The gospel you're preaching is the gospel we are preaching. And so that's what we're going to look at more in depth this morning. What we're going to see is one of Paul's journeys to Jerusalem. Now, if you know anything about Paul's journeys and his missionary trips. He took many of them, and a couple times, a few times, he went to Jerusalem. And one of the most prominent times when the Apostle Paul went to Jerusalem was in Acts chapter 15. And you can look at Acts chapter 15. uh, You can read that on your own. I'll I'll trust you to do that, uh, to read Acts chapter 15 on your own. But this is what we call the Jerusalem Council. It was the big meeting of all the big people within the church to come together to decide What is the gospel? Is the gospel Jesus and that's it? Or is the gospel Jesus plus some of this law, some of Jewish law, mainly circumcision? And so you can look in Acts chapter 15 and see and Paul was there and Paul would talk in the Jerusalem council and in the Jerusalem council they would decide, thankfully, that it was Jesus and that's it. Nothing else. That is the gospel. That is the message that needs to be put out there. Now, many people would look at Galatians chapter 2 and they would say that this is what Paul is referencing, the Jerusalem council. Now, I don't think this is a big sticking point, but I think it's actually a journey before the Jerusalem council that Paul had made to give uh, an offering to the Jerusalem church who was hurting financially. And so that's what I see again. I don't think we need to get stuck on that. If you come up to me after service and say, Preacher, you're wrong. It it was the Jerusalem Council. Don't even come and share that with me. Good, okay, believe it. It's fine. Doesn't do anything to the passage. Doesn't change anything of the truth here in God's word. The big point that we need to see here in this passage as we read it is we see God preserving the gospel message. God preserving the gospel message because no doubt this church This Galatians church is wondering, are there two messages here? Because Paul, you are sharing this and now these people have come from Jerusalem and they're telling us a different message. Yeah, they're telling us about Jesus, but they're also saying now we must be circumcised or we must follow these laws of Moses in order to be saved. And so no doubt they must be struggling with this. Is it it Paul's message that we are to believe or is it Jerusalem's message, is it it two separate messages? Is there a a contradiction taking place here? And so Paul really addresses this, really with the key being verse five, which we'll get to at the end of the message today, where it says, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Paul wanted to preserve the gospel, and we should be thankful that he was faithful. And so today what we're gonna look at in Galatians 2, one through 10 is how to handle gospel opposition correctly. I think that's what we see Paul doing here in this passage is how can we handle opposition to the gospel in the right way? So follow along with me as I read uh, chapter two, verse one through 10. It says, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation, and communicated to them that the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who are of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet, not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus." That they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seemed to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows no personal favoritism to no man, for those who seemed to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to, be, to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. Now, my hope this morning is to get through three points. I have five, and I'll finish the other two tonight, Lord willing. But again, we're going to look at how to handle gospel opposition the right way, because that is what Paul is doing here. And what first thing that we see him doing in verse two is we see him doing this out of respect. He does this in a way that is very respectful. I wanted to look up the definition of respect. Uh, Not that I didn't think I grasped what it meant, but I wanted to see what it was exactly. Respect being a verb. It says to consider worthy of high regard. Now I think you'd agree with me, respect is lost, it seems, for the most part. Uh, today in our society we don't hold respect uh, to many things we do our best to teach our children respect i had to deal with something i remember just yesterday with easton i heard him saying amanda 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 so that that's mom to you it's not amanda she can answer that or i'd hear him saying pastor tim and everyone's like you make your kids call you pastor (laughs) like no he's just being a little turd right now that's what he's doing It's what he does best. But we teach our kids to say, hopefully, uncle so-and-so or aunt so-and-so or mom or dad or grandma or grandma. Why? It's a a respect thing is why we do that. And Paul wanted to be respectful. And so when we look at verse 2, we see that the first thing Paul did when he goes to Jerusalem is he secretly goes to Peter, James, and John. That's who's being talked about. When he says, but privately to those who are of reputation, lest by any means I run in vain, or I do what I'm doing in vain. He knew that if he did not have these men, Peter, James, and John, if he did not have them agreeing, then he was going to waste his time in talking to other people as well, because they were the leaders. They were the leaders of the church, and so it's important for him to show them this respect. Number one, what does it do? It acknowledges their position, he doesn't minimize their position, but it acknowledges the position that they have, and so he goes to them to talk to them because it says they were the pillars; they were the ones that were important to the church. And so this again is important—a respect of a position. You know, I, it's always bugged me. I don't know why, but I've heard it from both sides of the aisles. But we have a president. And is call him president. And we don't hear that all the time on the media. I don't hear them saying President Trump or this. They'll just say his name. And I heard it with President Obama as well. It's a respect thing. You say president, that's what he is. And you honor that office. You, you honor that position, right? This is important, and Paul knew that. And so he honored their position in showing them this respect. It also allowed for discussion, without degrading or without putting down in front of other people, right? They, they got to get together and Paul could talk with them about what God was doing in his life, what God had done in his life, the ministry that God had given them, him, the gospel that he was proclaiming. And they could do this and have a discussion without all the other flies on the wall interrupting or hearing in. And so I don't know what this discussion went. I have no idea. How it went? I don't need to know how it went that wasn't my position so often today what I see is as we try to lead or maybe you find this as well as you try to lead in your workplace everybody wants to be on the in. they want to know everything that's going on why can't I be a part of this meeting why are you more important to me I'm the one who's going to have to do the work Right? Why why can't I question this person, or, or why can't this be done? Well, this happens in churches as well, all the time. You know, Pastor Tim, why is this happening now in this situation? Well, you know, we got together and we talked, and we thought this would be the best direction for the church. Well, why wasn't I in on this meeting? Well, I'm sorry to tell you, because you weren't asked to be. I don't know. Uh, we were called to lead, not you, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to answer that, I guess, in more of a, a more polite way. I mean, it's just the honest truth. And so sometimes discussions need to happen behind closed doors. It doesn't need to be out there for all people. And this is what Paul was doing. He was trying to honor them in their position. He was trying to have a discussion without putting people down, without all this other distraction, And what it did is it helps to seek to resolve, to solve the problem, not just to get a point out there. This is one of the most scary things for me in business meetings, if you really want to be honest. Now, many of you maybe have never been to one at all. We have one next week. Feel free to come. But the scariest thing in the world is to say, does anybody have a question? Because no matter how hard we try to answer every question, Somebody has a question. Now, what I have found to be true in most of those cases, the person does not have a question at all. They have a statement. And they might try to word it as a question, but it's very obvious to everybody that was not a question. That, you just made a statement. Thank you for your statement. I can't answer that. You've answered it in what you've said. But what's, what's going on there in those situations? It's we want to get our point across. We want to get our point across out there. And Paul did not want this to take place. He wanted to go with those who are in leadership position and say, we are going to discuss this. We are going to clarify this together. And I'm not just going to blurt it out in front of everybody to just try to get my point across. I'm not going to try to make you guys look silly or make you look foolish. I want to do this the right way, Paul is saying. So we'll do it together. Again, this seems to happen so little and I think really when it does happen, it takes us off guard and we don't even know what to say or how to handle it. You can imagine there had to be other people at this time who were wondering why why wasn't I there? I, I was with Jesus, I was a disciple. Nobody asked me to come. I don't know, maybe it was Thomas. You know, Thomas had issues with doubting at, at times and different things. Are you sure that's what Paul you guys should have had me in there. Right? I would have asked this question, or maybe I would have have done this. But again, Paul wasn't concerned with this. The accusations that Paul was facing was that he wasn't an apostle. Saying People were saying, the apostles do not agree with what you are saying. And so what did he do? He went to them. He went to the leaders of the apostles to deal with this. And he did it out of respect. The second thing we see in verse two that Paul does, and this is a difficult thing, is he does it without hiding anything. Because as you look at verse two, it says, and I went up by revelation. And, what is, and it says, and I communicated to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. And he says he did it privately. We just talked about that. But he communicated with them the gospel. He didn't hold anything back. And so imagine this. Try to put yourself in this situation and in this room. Paul going to Peter, to James, and to John to share the gospel with them. What a... What a weird, daunting task to be in. Wouldn't you just kind of say, well, you guys know the gospel. I mean, do I really have to explain it to you? Well, yeah, he had to explain it to them because he was being accused that his gospel was different. And Paul was not ashamed of the gospel that was given to him. And so in this, he is being completely open and he's being completely honest with them. He wanted them to know. This is the gospel message that I am preaching. That Jesus Christ can save by his grace and faith alone and him alone. Nothing else. A daunting thing. A very daunting task to be saying to Peter and to James and to John. And we we see that he's taking this very seriously because Paul even takes us to the next level because the Bible tells us here that he brings Titus with him. Now this is an important thing for us to know. Titus was a Gentile. He was a Gentile who had been saved as a result of Paul's ministry, been saved by the grace of God, and he was uncircumcised. And now Paul is bringing him into the heart of the Judaizers, walking him right in, walking him in to see Peter, to see James and to see John and to say, look, look what God has done in this life. You mean to tell me he hasn't been saved by God's grace? You mean to tell me that now he must go on to be circumcised? See, he has living proof of what God has done and it's very clear what God has done. I I don't know how Titus felt in this moment. I don't know how Titus felt in this situation. No doubt many people in there saw him as unclean, saw him as unfit, saw him as unworthy. Now, some of you could probably raise your hand and say, I felt that way in church before. I felt that way as I walked in I felt unclean. Everybody looked at me as if I was unfit to be there, as if I shouldn't be there. But the gospel that Paul was sharing with the apostles is saying, see, you brothers know, he's fit to be here. Why? Because of the grace of God. Because God has saved him through the blood of Jesus. Not because of anything he can do externally, but because of what God has done internally I think a lot of times one of the things that we do when facing gospel opposition is we do hide some things. We do hide some things. Now, I do think that when we share the gospel with our lost neighbors and our lost family and our lost friends, we must do it in a way that's wise, right? We don't just go and just jump on all their sins or lamb base them over and over again. No, I think we need to do it in the right way and prayerfully and out of love. But there are times where we must tell the truth. We must tell the truth if we're going to stick true to the gospel message. And it's a scary thing sometimes. But Paul was willing to do it. And he went forward and did it. And we must be the same way. We must be willing to not hide anything at all. That was one of the things that I liked about the process of being asked so many questions before being hired as pastor. Sat in that room for over three hours Just question after question after question after question. And I felt like I don't want to hide anything. I don't want to hide anything. I don't want anything. Hey, we didn't know that about you or we didn't know that's something that you believed. No, that just puts us all in a bad position. I, I want you guys to know what I stand for, right? The truths of God's word that I believe in. And we must be faithful to do that everywhere. As we look at verse three through five, This will probably be the last point this morning. As we see that Paul did this boldly. So he did it out of respect. He did it in a respectful way. He did it without hiding anything, but he also did it very boldly. And Paul shows his boldness here that it is a must when it comes to the gospel. It is a must that we must be bold. Again, I mentioned Titus. Bringing Titus was a very big move. Titus was uncircumcised, he was a Gentile. He was a companion of Paul's on his missionary journeys. In fact, Titus would go on to lead the church of Crete. He would be the pastor at that church when Paul would write his letter to Titus later on to address some things that are happening there in Crete. But in doing this again, Paul is showing the power of the gospel, and he's not fading away from the power of the gospel, but he's stepping boldly into it, saying, look, this is Titus. This is somebody that God has saved. This is proof that Jesus is enough. and Again, a big deal. He's in Jerusalem. He's with the Judaizers. He's where all this has started, where all this is coming, the home of the Jews. And Paul is taking a big stance here, being very bold, putting it out there. This is the truth of the gospel that the Lord has given me. I dare say that for many of us, being in front of the pillars of the church and speaking to the gospel might change what we say. I mean, think about it in your own life right now. Sometimes in the situations you find yourself in, how hard or how difficult is it to share the gospel truthfully and honestly? I, I know that many of you face it. I've talked to you about it. You know, parents who struggle because their, fit, their, their uh, kids have some certain sin and they say, well, Pastor Tim, how do I, how do I address this? How do I... How do I deal with it? Do I just cut them off? Do I just shun them? You know, what, what do I do in the midst of this? Those are questions of how can I be bold in the gospel when I'm around this person? Because they believe different, right? Because they have something different. Or, you know, uh, what, what should I say to them? And so what we find today, I think, is we find churches today who share parts of the gospel, and that we've gotten down a road that's very scary, right? They, they share parts of the gospel where they're all, they're all about sharing about God's love or God's uh, social justice or about God's other things that they like to hear, but they, they wanna avoid the other part that might make people uncomfortable, right? So they, they stay away from that. What is that? That is a lack of boldness because we must be people of the truth. We must be people of truth. The gospel, sharing the gospel message. And so Paul states very clearly in this passage, and maybe you take it as Paul being uh, rude to the apostles, but that's, that's not it. He's saying, I am not consumed with what these men think. The gospel that God has given me is the true gospel. I'm going to share it with them boldly, and I hope to receive their blessing. But if I do not receive their blessing, I'm going to continue on sharing this gospel because I know it is the one true gospel. I think I said this in the first message in Galatians. I I don't remember where it was, but I said the statement, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, but Jesus plus anything equals nothing. That's important for us to stand on. It's very important for us to remember, and that's important for us to always hold to. If you come across people and you're talking with them and they say, oh, I'm a Christian too. And you're like, oh, really? You know, what church do you go to? And they tell you, oh, I go to this church. And you get to talking and you start to hear some things that they say that you're like, "Ah, I don't know if that's true. Like They're like, well, when were you saved? And, And they tell you, well, you know, I was saved on July 7th. Oh, really? What happened? Well, I was baptized on July 7th. Wait a second. Pause. In your mind, that's got to be pause. What? Well, I was baptized on July 7th, and so I was saved on July 7th. Well, more questions got to be asked then. So, so how do you believe you were saved? Well, I just told you I was baptized. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. Now you say, but that's an awkward conversation to have. I know it is. It's a really awkward conversation to have. Some of you have been maybe even shunned by your family by trying to have those conversations. But we must stand and say, whoa, 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 baptism does not equal salvation. Salvation is in Christ alone. Having faith by his grace poured out on us. Nothing else. If you start to add baptism, then you've just erased the whole gospel message. You've erased it all. So we must stand on that. Imagine what might have happened if Paul gave in on this point. Imagine what would have happened if Paul would have said, you know what, fine. Got to be circumcised too. I really wonder where we would be today. Now, I would trust by the sovereignty and the grace of God that God would preserve his gospel message, that it still would have happened. But we must be thankful that Paul would stand boldly and say, no, I will speak up against whoever says that we must add something to Christ in order for there to be salvation because that is not true and we must be as bold to do the same. Because look at verse four. Look at what verse four says. It says, and this occurred because of false brethren, secretly brought in. Now, who were they brought in by? I would say Satan himself. Who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into into bondage. If you're a teacher here this morning, you might have, Appreciate this uh, Sunday school teacher. You ever notice those students who come in, and they might be new, and this, this describes them kind of good. They're there to spy you out. They're here, there to listen to every single word you say, and they are so quick to jump on any little mistake, any little error you might say. Oh, you said that that was Deuteronomy 4.3. It was Deuteronomy 4.4. 4. You are a heretic. You should not teach. You should not be here. You obviously didn't study. You obviously do not love Jesus. You should get out of here. We all have those. Every church has those. I think every classroom has those. These people who seem to come and infiltrate and spy and to hold us down. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't study. I'm not saying we shouldn't quote scripture correctly. I believe that wholeheartedly. But Paul is saying there are people who are sneaking in here, and they're spying us out. And what are they doing? They are trying to steal from us the liberty that we have in Christ. And in so doing, what they are trying to do is bring us back into bondage, to bring us back into slavery. Now, in order to really go through this, and I want to end on this thought, you must turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Because Paul really fleshes this thought out in Romans chapter 7 and in Romans chapter 8. So turn to Romans chapter 7, and we're going to begin in verse 21. And I want to read through chapter 8, verse 11. As you turn there, if you were to read Romans chapter 7, verse 1 through 20, this is what you're going to find. In verse 1 through 6, Paul says we have been freed from the law because of Jesus. And so he's trying to deal with what do we do with the law that God has given us now that Jesus Christ has fulfilled it. Do we just throw it away? Do we call it evil? Do we call it sinful? Or or what is our relationship to it now? And so as he approaches Romans chapter 7 and verse 1 through 6, he says, we have been freed from the law. Okay. We're we're freed from it because of what Jesus has done. But then as he goes to verse 7 through 12, he said, what the law did, he says, the law is not bad, no, but sin was revealed through the law. Paul says, if God never gave us the law, we would never know if we were sinning. We would never know we were sinners. We would just say, well, I can do whatever I want. I don't see anything. But no, God gave us the law, and so we see, oh man, I, I don't meet that standard. We see very quickly, I, I cannot fulfill this law. And so as we get to verse 13 through 20, Paul says, in fact, even as Christians, as people who've been saved by the grace of God, there is still a war that rages within us. And so Paul says that famous line, what I want to do, I do not do, but what I do not do, want to do, that I continue to do. You should know very well of that war. We as Christians should know of that war every day. God, today is the day I am not going to give in to this temptation. And at night, God, today is another day I gave in to the temptation. Forgive me, right? We we all know that battle. We all fight that battle all the time. And so in verse 13 through 20, the apostle Paul is talking about that battle. But then I wanna read for us in verse 21, all the way through 8:11, and I know this is a big section, but follow along with me. It says, So, I find it to be a law that, when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And in chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Please hear that this morning. There is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus this morning, if you've been saved by the grace of God, do not let Satan put you back into bondage of the law by constantly reminding you of your sin and you becoming slaves to that again. You becoming held down by that again. Paul says, we are under no condemnation will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If you have a natural knack for rules, like that's where you live comfortably. You know, give me my job task. Tell me when it needs to be done and I'll be comfortable in that because I'll know exactly what you want. If that's your type of personality, let me tell you this, you also are in danger of adding to the gospel often in your life. That's me. I like to make lists. I like to mark off things. I like to see it done. I like to know what I need to get done. There's nothing that bugs me more than when I make a list for the grocery store. I go to the grocery store and I come home to find out I didn't put something on my list. And it angers me. Like I did something wrong. And so a comfortable place for me as a child was church. Because they would tell me what to do. And I could do it. And so that was kind of easy for me. But what happens in my life, and I'm assuming what happened in yours as well, if you're a rule follower, is I understand the grace of God. And I understand that God pours his grace out on me and there's nothing that I can do to add to that. But then I realize, man, I don't love people like I should. I realize, man, I just got angry at my kids when it was uncalled for. I start to realize this sin in my life and so what Satan starts to do is he starts to say, Tim, yeah, you're right. If you do this better, God would love you more. You know, if you'd be a better husband, God could probably work through you better. You know, Pastor Tim, if you didn't commit that sin this week, your sermon might have actually had an impact on somebody's life. Maybe someone would have come forward. Maybe somebody would have actually been saved but because of your sin, that didn't happen. See, what becomes easy for me is to start adding things to the gospel. To start to think that I play an impact on how much God loves me. Start to think that I have an impact on my salvation. When the Bible clearly says, by grace you are saved through faith, not of works, so that no man can boast, which I thank God for because I would boast all the time if it was in me. And so would you. And so for those of us today who find ourselves in the grace of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, I hope that it rings true for you that you hear those words. Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I hope you can look back at Galatians chapter 2, verse 4 and be thankful for Paul who would say, we didn't let those spies do anything. Why? Because we are not gonna be held down in bondage to sin anymore. Christ has freed us from that bondage. Dear Christian, when you hear one of your loved ones talking about the gospel and you hear them adding to the gospel, the most loving thing that you can do for them is to say, why are you holding yourself down in the bondage of the law which Christ has freed us from? Let go of that. I don't know how many people I know who would raise their hand if I said, are you a Christian? Who when I talk to them, they are consistently held down by the law. They don't live free in the gospel. They don't walk around without guilt and shame on their shoulders. They're not reminded of that truth, but instead daily they keep trying to earn the love of God. I'm so thankful I don't have to earn that love. Aren't you? I'm so thankful that God has poured his grace out on me when I was in my weakest, in my sin, running from him, that God would pour his grace out on a wretched sinner like me. If you're here this morning and you haven't experienced that grace of God, maybe he's calling you today. This truth is there for all of us. As the Holy Spirit draws us, I hope that you would be willing to call out to him and to say, Jesus, I I trust in your grace, not my own. The Bible says that we can be saved. We read the passage Pastor Matt had us read this morning. We ask Christ into our life that he will do that and he will save us. He's true to that. So I hope that you'll be faithful to do that this morning. I hope that you'll be able to come back tonight to hear the rest of the message of how to deal with gospel opposition. Only got through three points, but I'll finish the rest tonight. But now what I wanna do, I I want us to bow. I want us to pray together. God, I ask that you would help us to uh, respond to your word how we should. God, for those of us who've been saved by your grace, I pray and ask that you would help us to praise you. Help us to walk in your truth. Help us to walk in the peace that you give us. God, your word is very clear. We're gonna continue to fight and battle sin, and there are gonna be battles that we lose. And God, I pray that we wouldn't get the attitude to where We just keep sinning because we say, "Ah, I just keep losing and it's okay, God loves me. No, I, I pray that we would fight every day to grow closer to you. And God, I pray that you would help us to see fruit in our life where we are overcoming temptation, where we are able to flee it, where we're not constantly having to go back and say, well, once again, I failed. God, help us to see those victories over and over again. But God, help us to remember in our defeats, you are victorious, And God, I pray that we would walk around boldly with the gospel in hand, with the sword that you have given us, your word, to lovingly share the truth with those who are still lost in bondage to sin and to the law. God, out of love, help us to share the true gospel message with them, no matter who it is. Give us boldness. God if we find ourselves before rulers and authorities give us the boldness to speak your truth just like Paul did here and God I'm thankful as we'll look at tonight that Peter, James and John and the church accepted Paul with open arms and that they were sharing the same gospel message and God I pray that we'd be diligent to do the same Help us to boldly share the gospel message wherever we go. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a message by Pastor Tim from Together in Christ. This content has been provided to you by Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at mmbconline.org.